Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning. You know, on this Father's Day, we know for many we can't physically be with our loved ones. You know, but my prayer is that today's psalm ministers to you as we remember that our God is our Father and that He's with us right now. And whether we come with praise or lament, you know, we bring God our praise. And as the majority of the psalms model for us, we bring our lament. We bring him our gratitude for the good things and our petitions for justice for a better world for all. You know, the Psalms were Jesus' prayer book, his guidebook, his book of poetry, and we are navigating these days as we look at the Psalms at showing us a way forward through this health pandemic and economic pandemic and cultural pandemic and spiritual pandemic. How? By taking time to let these psalms speak to us. And in this time of so much disunity, my prayer is that God would unite us around his word and his ways. You know, Psalm 103 opens with, bless the Lord, The Hebrew word here is Barak. It carries a sense of praising God for who he is. Now, the word blessed probably means joyfully announcing all these good things about God. Now, keep in mind, God is not in need of our prayer, our praise, our blessing. He doesn't need it. Rather, because of who God is, our natural inclination is to declare his Goodness, And so we bless God as we spend time with him and think about him and speak about him. When we bless God, we're saying to those around us, look and see yourselves how good this God is. We bless him. Now, there's this great cafe that Katie and I are always bringing our out-of-town friends who have shared about it before. You don't ever have to ask us about it. We're just going to tell you about it because we love this place. We love the food, the drink, the the ambiance, the owners. We love it. We bless this store every time we talk about it. Every time we think about its goodness and share this truth with others, we are blessing it because we naturally praise that which we enjoy. And so let me ask you, if we enjoy God, shouldn't the most natural thing for us to be as followers of him, to think about his goodness, to share about his goodness, and invite others to come to know his goodness, we bless God by thinking about him, talking about him, inviting others to recognize how good he is. Today in Psalm 103, we're going to bless God. How? As we talk about him, as we think about him, as our hearts swell with gratitude for him, we bless him. We're going to bless him as we think and reflect on on God as a good forgiver, as a God who is a good forgetter, God who is a good fighter, and God who is a good father. First of all, God is a good forgiver. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. How do you know about his benefits? You just read God's word. And let me ask you, do you know them? 
And specifically, I want you to see, do you notice what David is highlighting as a benefit of this God we are blessing? Verse 3, it's a God who forgives all of your iniquity. See, David wants us to remember the goodness of God come to us in the compassionate and graciousness of a forgiving father. He wants us to think about that, to meditate upon that, to bless God as we consider that reality of this God who is a good forgiver. See, forgiveness is made possible because of Christ's reconciling work. Verse 10 even points to this. It says that he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You see, the Father forgives us as we repent and we confess sin. And Jesus teaches us to pray, as we prayed earlier, our Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, remember the benefits of being found in him and the responsibility of being in this family of God. See, God is forgiving, but forgiveness does not mean simply excusing. The ancient theologian Augustine said this, God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. See, grace is free, but it isn't cheap. Christ's sacrifice on the cross was costly because God refused to excuse our sin. He made that journey to take upon our sin so that you could be free. Yes, our God wants to refather us. Yes, God wants to be one who even forgets our sin, as we'll learn in Psalm 103. But God is a fighter who invites you to leave the 99 and with him to go after the sheep in need. He did that for you. See, verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. You see, has the reality that you have been forgiven resulted in you being gracious towards others? That's the question. See, God's steadfast love has been poured out to you. Freely you have received, freely now give. Do you have the confidence that your sins have not only been forgiven, but also forgotten? You see, because when that sinks in, it will change your life. See, God is also a good forgetter. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west is as far as he has removed our transgressions from us. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says this, that God will remember our sins no more. It's a story told by the late Brendan Manning. And he shared the story that in 1988 in a large city in the West, the rumors had spread that a certain Catholic woman was having visions of Jesus. And the reports reached the archbishop and he decided to check her out to see if this was authentic or just her crazed imagination. Is it true, ma'am, that you have visions of Jesus? Asked the bishop. Yes, the woman replied simply. Well, the next time you have a vision, I want you to ask Jesus to tell you the sins that I confessed in my last confession. The woman was stunned. Did I hear you right, bishop? You actually want me to ask Jesus to tell me the sins of your past. Exactly. Please call me if anything happens. Well, 10 days later, the woman notified the bishop of her recent vision. Please come now, she said. Within the hour, the bishop arrived. You just told me on the telephone that you actually had a vision of Jesus. 
Did you do what I asked? Yes, Bishop. I asked Jesus to tell me the sins that you confessed in your last confession. The bishop leaned forward with anticipation. His eyes narrowed. What did Jesus say? She took his hands and gazed deep into his eyes. Bishop, she said, these are Jesus's exact words. Listen, I can't remember. Jesus chooses to forget our sins. The God we worship not only forgives us for our failures, but he chooses to forget because of his steadfast love for us. You know, John the Baptist was right when he said, he saw Jesus and pointed to him, proclaimed, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But not only is Jesus the Lamb of God, the one who takes away your sin, he is a true friend as well, who refuses to remember your sin once you confess and once you repent. Oh, he's a good forgiver and he's a good forgetter. You know, in the upper room, Jesus calls the disciples his friends. And in Psalm 25, the psalmist says, remember not the sins of my youth, but remember me according to your steadfast love. There's that phrase again from Psalm 103, back in Psalm 25. You see, because Jesus is the kind of friend who remembers you not for the wrongs you have done, but remembers you for who you're meant to be. Pastor Will Williman says this, a friend is someone who knows you, remembers you perhaps better than you know yourself, but who doesn't remember. Then he goes on to explain, friends are those who discreetly forget, before whom certain things don't have to be dredged up or recollected. For the sake of love, they forget. A friend is someone who forgets what you've done in order to remember who you are. And I just want to say that Jesus wants you to remember that he forgets as far as the east is from the west. Confessed sin, repented sin. Forget not his benefits, David says in Psalm 103. That Jesus took the cross so that your sins would not only be forgiven, but forgotten. And Jesus is saying to you and to me today, I took the cross to eradicate your sins and failings. I took the blame for your, your sin and in exchange, I gave you my righteousness. It is gone. You are free. And that is the great exchange of Jesus. He takes on your bad resume and he gives you his perfect resume. Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. You see, friends, I have good news. You cannot out God's grace. Psalm 103 is saying at least that to us today. Your gracious God can see a true repentant heart and choose to see the best of you, the redeemed you, the sanctified you. Christ's righteousness in you is what he chooses to see. Now, let me say this, though. All this forgiving, all this forgetting does not give you a free pass to keep on sinning. Just the opposite Romans 6.15, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course, the answer is no. Because you've been forgiven, because he chooses to forget your confessed sin, because you've repented and changed your life, you are now free to bless others, to serve others, to give away your life, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. It all belongs to him your entire life. 
And because you're free, he says, live for him. God's a good forgiver. God's a good forgetter. And Psalm 103 says, thirdly, that God is a good fighter. Take a look at verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Now, see, David remembers God's faithfulness as he recounts how Yahweh freed the Jewish slaves from their Egyptian oppressors. See, we are to join God on his mission to serve the world, to keep pointing to this good God that we claim to know. That's worship as well. I want you to watch this video story about how God is using humble servants, everyday people, to meet a need, to show his love, to show his justice. Take a look. So when COVID-19 hit, Valerie and I and Rachel were trying to figure out, A, how do we not get it ourselves? And B, what were we going to do for the community or for our church? And we know how to do one thing really good, and that's cook. Originally, this list of recipients was collated because my dad reached out to the staff at our favorite restaurant in Carmel and just asked, like, you guys have all been laid off. How can we help? And so we got a list of all the, the waiters and waitresses and the, the line cooks and all those people who are now out of jobs and started delivering meals to them. The needs started pouring in that um, these people really needed help, both from our church and also from the community, from the restaurant community. And so one by one, we got up to 40 families at one point, close to 150 people we were feeding uh, every week on Wednesdays. What we discovered pretty much immediately when we started delivering meals is that there's a huge amount of organization required to make it really happen at all. And so every week while Dad's doing the shopping and the cooking, I'll start working on some of those administrative tasks. So I have a bunch of lists, a huge file of lists of, you know, color-coded lists of who is receiving the meals, who's delivering the meals, who all the drivers are, and all their contact information, all the delivery addresses, all those sorts of things into this master file. And then I have to sort of manage that every week, making sure that the recipients are expecting this meal at a certain time, making sure the drivers are going to come pick up the meals at the right time. And, um, it's really a lot of work, but it has gotten easier every week because every week we're a little more organized. Every week it's more streamlined and it just we've gotten to a really good routine now. We start making our runs with Costco and Safeway and Smart and & Final and a number of other grocery stores on Tuesday mornings. And uh, by Tuesday afternoon we've got all, all of our supplies and uh, kind of relax for a few minutes after that, then Wednesday morning we start about 9 a.m. We have had a really, really generous amount of people from our church volunteer to be drivers. So we have, I think, too many and every week I'm telling people we, we don't have enough meals to, to, for you to deliver with us. But I think about up to 15 people, I think, from our church, from CPC, have helped us deliver these meals, which is great. Um, so every week I'm checking in with them and they, you know, come and drive out here to the valley and pick up the meals and drive all over the peninsula. Our church family has really come through by providing cookies that the youth group has made for us. Um, we've had women in the Word who have cooked uh, other kinds of desserts. And uh, that's just been very beneficial and believe it or not, a whole host of people have donated hundreds and hundreds of bags, paper bags, to, to bag this up every week. 
So it's amazing how many people have come alongside us to help us um, fulfill this ministry. We have about 15 people who've been coming out and driving and delivering meals. Um, the deacons have made tremendous donation towards grocery gift cards that we could then give to these folks that are without work, um, in addition to other um, individuals from the congregation that have donated funds as well to help. So we're, we're just so thankful and it's just been an incredible opportunity to really share the love of Christ with our neighbors. I think it's a really great way to see how God is coming through during a crisis, to watch, to watch Him use our family because we obviously know that this is God working through us and not anything that we're doing. It was not our idea. And it's just really awesome to see the love of Christ kind of multiply as we are serving others. One of the things we'd like to have happen as a result of this is for this ministry to continue and actually to have somewhat of the church take over with it. But man, we can make a true impact on the peninsula as it relates to the need, needs of people. And so if there's a way that we can continue this, both with us and with the church together, and possibly with the deacons, I think this could be a great ministry for our church for the future. When we think about the Lord's Prayer that we prayed earlier. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus didn't say to just rest in the fact that the Father loves you and to keep it all to yourself. He said to pray that God would use you to bring his goodness on earth. How can you show compassion this week like the good Father we serve? How can you align your life to join God on the ark of justice, bringing a glimpse of heaven on earth through your life today? Verse 14, David says, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. See, we are to remember our dependence on God, that life is short. And it's not to crush our spirit or to put us down, but actually to set us free. Life is short. Give everything to God. Live everything fully for him. See, God knows we're, we're scared. We're prone to wander. We are naturally selfish. We, we fail time and time again. But it's no excuse to not follow our Lord into broken places, broken places of the world that are crying out for his touch. That's where we should be. Remembering that we are, as David says, but dust. That, see, this gives us perspective that he is God and we are not. Our friend, Sister Martha Henry, every day she's feeding neighbors. And it's because of your help, those canned goods that you are bringing. Every day she puts them out and every day, and by the end of the week, everything is gone. See, let's spend our lives sharing God's goodness. He's placed you here on this earth for this time to carry his love to a world in need. Why don't you find a way to join the queerings as they continue to feed over 100 people every week? Join them in some small way or a big way. You see, the Apostle Paul argues trying to earn your salvation through good works is impossible. But the Apostle James warns against a dead faith that never results in a changed life. So the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James are saying the same gospel. Believe in your heart a true faith that results in a life that points to a good God. See, the Father wants your heart absolutely, but he also wants your life to the full. 
Jesus says, freely you have received, freely you now give. And he also says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we follow Jesus. We bring a can. So next week, you're coming at 930. Bring a can good for us. That'd be great. We'll take them all to our friend Martha or give the church a call and say, how do I help with the feeding ministry here at CPC? Lastly, and maybe more beautifully, God is a good father. Let's look at that today on Father's Day. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Again, when the Bible talks about fear, it's a holy reverence. And yet the Bible makes clear how this holy, perfect God wants to be your father. In Ephesians 1, Paul gives and encourages believers this picture of this good father who reminding us, Paul says, that we are his adopted children of this good father. And now we receive from this good father an abundant inheritance as his chosen beloved. You see, God is our loving father and he calls us his treasure. We are a gift and a treasure to God according to the book of Ephesians. And as a parent, you would do anything to help your child to grow up healthy and happy and following the Lord, right? The Bible says God loves you like a compassionate, good father loves his own child. That's how God loves you. You know, there's this ministry I used to be a part of called Royal Family Kids Camp. Happens throughout the nation, giving thousands of kids in the foster care system a glimpse of God's goodness at a one-week camp every summer. They get to experience the love of God for many of them for the first time ever in their lives. They get to experience also for the first time in their lives, being being loved by other people in a safe environment. They get to play games and make friends, and they get to hear about a loving father who wants to come near to them. I remember one camper during one of the summer sessions that I I had the privilege of being a part of, and this camper was so ecstatic one day of the camp where they threw a birthday party for every camper. It didn't matter what day your birthday was through the year. They just wanted to make sure everyone had a birthday being celebrated that one week at camp. And this camper told one of the counselors it was the best day of his life. And so the counselor asked the boy, I said, what, what made it so special? You know, was it the games? Was it the skits we did? You got presents, the cake. And the boy looked at him and said, no, it's just the fact that this was the first birthday I've ever celebrated in my entire life. It's almost unimaginable to some of us that that could be the reality of thousands of kids in the foster care system right now. And yet they got a glimpse of a good father and his steadfast love and his compassion through people just like you and me who simply through a summer camp for a group of kids who've experienced so much brokenness and so much pain in their lives that they've never even had the chance to realize there's a good father that exists. James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's standing up against injustice 
It's leading people into a saving relationship with Jesus. It's not being silent about this good God. It's blessing God by telling people about him. It's partnering with Martha with canned goods. It's, it's grieving with those suffering great losses right now. It's making and delivering meals for hungry families. You see, this is what it means. True religion, the apostle James says. God refathered these children at that camp. And he wants to refather you and refather me and refather all the broken systems in our world right now. And guess what? He wants to use us to give a glimpse of God's goodness right now. These kids got to see the first time a good and loving father. And what does he want to do? He wants to undo all the brokenness in this world, which includes the scars caused by others. I'm sure there are some people watching right now who have been deeply scarred by someone else. I'm not telling you to simply, oh, forgive and forget. What I am saying is invite God into those scars that have been inflicted upon you. And yes, invite God into those scars that you have inflicted onto others. You may have repented. You may have confessed. You, yes, you are forgiven and God has forgotten, but invite God into those scars the wrongs that we have done, and the wrongs done to us. You see, these kids at Royal Family Kids Camp heard that God calls them a gift, and they are special. And God says the same to you. You are his inheritance. You are his gift. You belong to God, so serve him. Because you belong to God, share him. Because you belong to God, are secure with God, are forgiven by God, bless him with your life, with your words, and with your deeds. You know, this past week and even this morning, my two girls have been asking me every day for the past two weeks. It's wonderful. Dad, what do you want for breakfast for Father's Day? Now, of course, what I really want, because this is what I think about all the time, are eggs Benedict with extra bacon, throw on some avocado, maybe some extra sauce on two freshly baked English muffins. That's what I really want. My, my waistline is telling me go for the egg white omelet, the low-fat cheese, right, and use a non-stick pan so I don't have to use any butter. That's what my waistline tells me. Here's the deal, though. Regardless of whatever calorie intake I will have today, my daughters wanted to bless me. My daughters wanted to bless me. My children wanted their father to know they were thinking about him, loving him. They're grateful for him. I can't think of something a father wants more than to be blessed by his children. You know, David says six times in Psalm 103, maybe to get it through our thick skulls. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And he says it six times. So I want you to imagine today that we have a loving heavenly father who was so glad that you showed up to bless him, to think about him, to meditate on him, to share about him, to bless him. You're remembering how faithful he is. And so now keep in mind that your heavenly father doesn't need anything from you. But if we earthly fathers can have our hearts warmed by our children wanting to bless us, how much more does our perfectly heavenly father enjoy our humble offerings to God right now that we want to bless him? We bless him by remembering that he is a forgiving God. We bless him by remembering that he is a forgetting God. We bless him by remembering that God is a good fighter 
for us, for this broken world. We remember that he is a good God. We bless him when we say he is my good father. Martin Luther King says this, use me, God, show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, what I can do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. I want that to be my prayer. You know, since Christ gave his life for us, our response begins with a sincerely changed heart, soul, and mind. Absolutely. But it always moves toward a changed life. New ways of thinking, new ways of living, stepping out in faith. I'm going to share a last story. Husband and father, John R. Fox, was part of a fighting unit composed of African Americans fighting against Nazis in Europe. He acted heroically on December 26, 1944. See, the Nazis had infiltrated and overtaken the Italian city of Soco Colonia. So while his company retreated to safety, he stayed behind to call in artillery fire to slow down the German advance. Fox continued to give strike coordinates all the way up to being surrounded by hordes of Nazis. And he made a final directive over the radio to fire upon his own location. It was the only way to stave off a total loss to the German advance. Reluctantly, the battalion commander issued the order to fire on Fox's position. Allied forces retook the town, and Fox's body was found with over 100 Nazi soldiers dead. And while a sacrifice may be largely forgotten in the U.S., Italians remember every December 26, the people of Soco Colonia and the surrounding communities gathered to recall that winter battle and honor the dead from that terrible day, including the lone American who opted to stay and fight, an African-American who called down fire upon himself in order to save the many lives of others. You know, it wasn't until 1997, 53 years after his act of heroism, that he, along with six other African-American soldiers, were given the Medal of Honor by President Clinton. See, I want you to know that Jesus on the cross called in a strike on his own coordinates, becoming sin for us so that our hearts and lives would change. Bless the Lord by embracing him. And as your father, bless the Lord as embrace him as your father who forgives and forgets so that you can join him in the fight to bring a glimpse of heaven on earth through your life. Oh, yes, it'll be a sacrifice. Oh, but it'll be worth it that we give our short little life to a good father into his hands as we entrust him to use us to show people what he's like. Do you pray with me? Father, we do recognize your presence. We believe in faith that you are here with us wherever we are watching this round, wherever we are listening, whatever day or time this is, Lord, that you are with us. You look upon us with love. Lord, help us to get a glimpse of how good you are, to understand in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, and in our strength, Lord, that we would love you in fullness. And because we rest secure in you, Lord, we would courageously live our lives showing others how good your love is, how good your strength is. Oh, Lord, we need you to carry us through these difficult times. Show us what it looks like to rest in you and to live in you. Oh, Lord, we know you are a good father. We worship you now, and in your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.